Okay, right. Um, so it's great, isn't it, as, we've, uh, as we come into this new year to be looking forward. Uh, we look back, we give thanks to God, obviously it's the right thing to do, but we look forward. And I want to talk about that a bit today. And it's brilliant that, uh, in a sense, this is a new beginning. This is a, a marker that two people have put down and maybe more. But New Year, I guess, is a time of reflection. We look back, but also it's a time where we look forward. Uh, we have resolutions. I don't tend to make them because I break them by about January the 5th. Um, but, uh, but certainly we look at our lives and uh, how we're going to move forward. And I want to talk about that a bit uh, this morning as a church. But it is good uh, to look back. We, looked, we had baptisms last year, which is good. And it's good to thank God uh, for those things. It's great that I'll be out this time next year, be able to say the same again. Uh, it's great to welcome new members that are covenanting uh, to the church and really uh, to God's church. Not our church, really. It's God's church and discerning his will. We've loved that. We've loved uh, new areas of mission. Uh, that we've, uh, we've established, and new ministries that have been established. That's brilliant as well. We know that Jesus said, this is how you know their disciples, if they love one another. So I love the fact that we've had unity uh, in this past uh, 12 to 18 months as well. I'm not saying it wasn't there before, but uh, we went through a big change last year. Do you know, we're, we're, we're the new entity now with the whole CIO thing. I know you're going to get bored of those three letters, but here we are. Legally, we've changed, and now there's a year of change where we seek to release ministries so the church can grow and not get caught up in, if you like, bureaucracy, but really just be freed uh, to get on with what they're called to do. So we're really excited. And when we came to, came to that, I think we had something like 12 resolutions and uh, it was one of our shortest church meetings because there was a sense of unity. And so we loved that. That's really good. So there's a verse, uh, or two verses, that have been given to the church in, in the nearly, amazingly, two years I've been back. Um, and I want to put it in its context, I want to talk about that a bit, but you'll, you'll know it, it's good to remember the past, but from Isaiah 43, uh, verse, um, uh, verse 18, it says, Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? God is always doing a new thing. He's done a new thing this morning. He's doing a new thing in your life, if you let him. If we give ourselves over to God. But it's important, because this is bullish. We like these verses. Uh, we often say them in the office. I'm looking down there, because they look quite relaxed in the, in the baptismal pool. But in the, in the office, we say these verses. And people come in, and they confirm them. We almost laugh at each other. They say, oh, we've got this verse for you. So here we go again. And here we get this first. And it's brilliant. There's been others like that as well. But I want to put it in its context, because this is the good news, isn't it? Um, and actually, God was speaking this over the people of Israel when they've been, they'd been in spiritual decline and they'd been a bit outcast. And he's saying, look, come on, let's forget that form of things. You did mess up. Let's forget that. Let's, let's not dwell on that. I'm going to do a new thing in you and it's going to spring up and you need to perceive it. So we want to look forward and see what that new thing is in us with God. We're approaching a year of change. We're about to start uh, a sermon series on discipleship. Uh, I love to call it that, really, because I suppose everything we do is discipleship, becoming more like Christ, following Christ, honouring Christ. But we want to put this uh, passage that's been given to us in perspective. So I'm just going to uh, read through it and as we go and then draw some conclusions uh, at the end. So Isaiah 43, but now this is... I need my... Where's the... Uh, oh, there it is. Okay. We're so organised today, don't we? So it's good. Um, right. Uh, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel... Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. That's a great promise, isn't it? You know, this is what the Lord says. This is what God says to you this morning. He created you. He formed you. He says, do not fear. I've redeemed you. I've summoned you by name, and you are mine. 
And the devil of hell cannot take that away from you. Where, O death, is your victory? Where is your sting? Thanks be to God for Christ Jesus. He can never take that away. Never take that away. They've been clothed in his righteousness. The old has gone, the new has come. They're going to move forward and they're going to do great things for God. Amazing. And he's going to do a new thing. A new thing. Look what it said. You've been created and been formed by God. He's redeemed you. Do you know what redeemed means? You know if you go to a fancy restaurant and uh, you check your coat, don't you? You know, you put it in the, in the uh, coat. They give you a little ticket. It's quite nice, isn't it? And you get on the table and you have a glass of Diet Coke, obviously, and um, you eat your uh, food. And then one, at some point, because it's been quite cold outside, you want to get your coat back. And you have to redeem it. You have to go and get the coat. And so you go to the uh, teller and you say, there's my ticket. There's my ticket. I want my coat. <laughs> Give me my coat. You might say it a bit more politely than me. I don't, I'll just say, can I have my coat back, please? And, and, you, and what you're doing, you're redeeming your coat. You're claiming it back. And if you're not in the kingdom of light, you need to be redeemed because you're in the kingdom of darkness. And we've seen at Christmas, haven't we? Those that were walking in darkness have seen a great light. So we become Christians and we move from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of light. Isn't that amazing? And then God says to you, I've summoned you by name. There's the token. You are mine. Give me my coat back. You are mine. You've been redeemed and you've been bought at a price and it cost uh, Jesus everything. It goes on to say, verse 2, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. See, he's saying there's difficult times in life, but he's never going to leave us. The Bible says he never leaves us or forsakes us. He's one that stands with us. He goes on in verse 5, Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. Do not fear. I suppose Jesus, if he was kind of echoing these, those words later on in the New Testament, he would say, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And as we move forward into 2018, all of us have our part to play. All of us. What I loved about those testimonies is how many people were involved in, uh, to get them to this point. Um, and words given uh, over there, and someone introduced over there. And, and then, you know, we come to a church over here and we get baptised. Everyone's involved in that, in that process. But what if no one did speak to them? What if no one did pray for them? What if no one spoke into their lives? What if we just stayed silent? And they don't get the message. And yet God says, I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west. And Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. It's great to have a, a full church, but the high street is, has got more people in it right now. And the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And he goes on to say, uh, up to verse 10, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. So you've been chosen, you've been redeemed, and you are his. And he says, and this is what I want you to do. He says in verse 10, you are my witnesses. This is what Israel originally was intended to be, to be the light. They got it wrong a lot, as we do. And it's a constant um, pattern, isn't it, of of, um, obedience and blessing and disobedience and Uh, getting it wrong and everything else. And God's always calling them back, but he gives them a purpose. They were supposed to be his witnesses, and so are we now. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me there is no saviour. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And we can be... 
It is countercultural. It's not politically correct, but it's biblically correct. He is the only way. He is the only way. Not all roads lead to God. He is the only way. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed. Goes on to say, I am not some foreign God among you. You are my witnesses, declare the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from ancient days I am he. No one can deliver out of my hand when I act. Who can reverse it? Paul said that we're ambassadors for Christ. And when we go and leave this place, we're ambassadors. What a privilege that is. We're witnesses. We've been called, redeemed, set apart. As the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you to all those people outside of this building um, to be witnesses and ambassadors. And then we get to our verse. You see, all that's gone before. Israel has been disobedient and they've kind of fallen by the wayside. The blessing's been removed. But then God says to them, verse 18, forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God is doing a new thing. And there's loads of great stories in this country. The church is not dead. The gates of Hades will not come against it. Because God is God is God. And Christ is head of his church. And the church will grow as we faithfully proclaim his word and be filled with his spirit and are obedient in all we do. But as long as we take him seriously, we need to be ready for him to do his new thing. And we're seeing families join the church, which is great. We can't hardly keep up with the names. It's a lovely problem to have. We want more. We want to be greedy, almost, because there's a whole world out there that needs to be saved because nobody comes to the Father except by him. So we need to be committed and embrace these things. He will do a new thing. He's doing a new thing. See, it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Who likes pigs and chickens? None of you. So none of you eat bacon and none of you eat eggs. So Bernard likes his bacon and eggs. He's the only honest one here. When I talk about obedience, part of that is not lying. Okay, I know that you like bacon and eggs. But, you know, when you have bacon and eggs, there's a question of commitment when you think about it from the pig and the chicken, isn't there? <laughs> the chicken lays an egg and carries on. He kind of contributes a bit, but it hasn't cost him much. The pig, it's a life or death decision. <laughs> if you want bacon, he has to die. Or at least he should. I would advise you not to um, have a live pig on your breakfast place. It wouldn't be nice. They're pretty ugly anyway. So you've got to ask yourself this morning, a very sort of theological, loosely theological framework, what do you want to be, a pig or a chicken? Don't be a chicken. Be a pig. Be committed. Don't play lip service. It, not that it's not going to cost you much. It costs us everything. Because it costs God everything. And so we want to follow him and give our lives as a response. And we praise in verse 21, the people I formed for myself that they may proclaim my praise. That's what we're doing this morning. All the glory is by grace you've been saved, was one of the verses. Not from ourselves, it's a gift of God. God's done it. You're not here by accident. You're here, it be, it's, it's in, you're here for a reason. Maybe to hear this message for the first time. Repent, turn to God, trust in the cross and get baptised. And you'll be filled with the Spirit and live it out and go and change the world. Twelve people did it. Incredible, a small amount of people went on to change the world. But now comes the warning. See, God won't be mocked. It's great that we, we accept the blessing. See, I'm doing a new thing. We love this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Hallelujah, brilliant, fantastic. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm going to make a way for you in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. I want to take those blessings. They sound good to me. What a great Christmas present. But then he goes on to say, verse 22, yet you have not called on me, Jacob. 
You have not wearied yourselves for me, Israel. You have not brought me sheep for burnt offerings, nor honoured me with your sacrifices. I've not burdened you with grain offerings or wearied you for demands for incense. You have not brought any fragrant calamus for me or lavished on me the fat of your sacrifices. So what did they give him? He says, but you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your offences. I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions. He does forgive them for my own sake and remembers your sins no more. Isn't that a lovely verse? God, I'm still struggling with the sin I did three years ago. What sin? Freedom. And then he says, in case we think we're doing okay, and that yeah, actually I have really, really committed. Review the past for me. He says, okay then, we'll have a, look at you. have a look at yourself. Review the past for me. Let us argue the matter together. Think about it. State the case of your innocence. Your first father sinned. Those I sent to teach you rebelled against me, so I disgraced the dignitaries of your temple. I consigned Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. What he's saying is don't just call him for the benefits. Of course, his grace is outlandish. We can't outdo his love. But we, have to, we can't only just give him our sin and say, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for dying. And I'm, that's it. I'm off. And I'll just do what I want to do. Cheap grace. And it's not, a great, it's not a great result. So I disgrace the dignitaries of your temple. I consign Jacob to destruction and Israel to scorn. We don't want cheap grace. We want to be able to say, God has saved me. God paid the price for me. God has redeemed me. God is sending me and I will live my life out and I'll be committed. I'm the pig. Right? Remember one thing, I know it's going to be only pigs all week. There you go. So looking forward, do not dwell on the past. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So I'm just going to move that forward. I knew that wouldn't work. Isn't it? Oh, there it is. That's a bit of a time delay. So I'm doing a new thing. Mission. You know, mission, he's going to do a new thing in mission. In some ways, it's not new. He's always reaching out. I've come and seek to save the lost. That's what Jesus said. So that's our mission as well. But we've got our mission statement. I can, I can uh, reword it. I can make it quite funky. But we've got the mission statement. It's been given to us by the person we called Lord and that we obey. And he said, go and make disciples, didn't he? Right at the Great Commission, at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Then the 11 disciples, this is our mission statement, went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. And interestingly, it says some doubted. So we're always going to have doubters and people being skewed and, and, and pulled by the world. But some doubted. But Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then a fantastic promise. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. You're not alone. You're not alone. You've been redeemed. You've been chosen. You've been called. And Jesus says, I'm with you forever. And he's doing a new thing. And when we do that new thing in our mission and our worship and everything we do, we need passion. You know, churches get accused for lack of passion. You can go to a football match and see passion. Uh, you can hear words that you won't repeat in church. Uh, people will raise their hands in worship, they'll clap, and it's all cool. That's good, that's support. If we, we're in church, we have a little bit, of, maybe possible a little bit of a dance, and might clap a little bit, might sort of do this. But, but we worship God. We worship, we need passion. It's not emotionism, that's different. Of course we should have emotion. Uh, when I think about what God has done, I get emotional. When I was listening to both testimonies, I was tearing up. I thought, well, I better sort myself out. I've got to go up and speak in a minute. But it's so emotional. When I hear of someone who's battled depression and low self-esteem and they've met with God, that's emotional. 
And only God can do that. The rest is periphery and words, but God can do it. So we need passion. We need passion. We need lives lived for God. And of course, right in a fantastic uh, theological argument in Romans, Paul says, uh, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. And that, again, in its context, he's talking about character and energy, uh, our, our very uh, image of God. He says uh, right at the beginning, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of what God has done, to offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. It's a great imagery of the church. We need each other. There's a connectedness, both within the congregation to other Baptist churches. We're connected. We're a family. And and the Bible says we should take that really, really seriously. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. There is enough evil in the world. We don't need the church spreading it. We spread love. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. In love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless. Don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals in his head. Do not overcome, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I mean, let's go and try and live that out. That's tough, but it's what we're called to do. This is God's word. This is my obedience. I don't always feel like it, but I'm going to say with the help of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do the best I can, because God is doing a new thing. And uh, just to the last few points, see, I'm doing a new thing. We've got to get excited about that. God is always doing a new thing. Get excited. There's so much coming up. Uh, A a great commitment I've put up there to the great commandments and the great commission will build a great church. It's pretty simple. The great commission, go and make disciples, teach them, baptise them. Love God and love each other. And that's pretty much it. And that will build a great church. Look for the good amongst the bad. You know, we said at Christmas, didn't we, the two often words used last year, fake news. And what we want to do is follow the facts. And if you look for it, you'll see a lot of good. 
If you look, go down Billericay High Street, you'll see street pastors. You'll see people speaking to the homeless guy, maybe buying him a slice of pizza. You can argue whether he deserves it or not, but it says that passage, if, I'm not saying he's my enemy, if my enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. It's not on my conscience. I just want to do what God tells me to do. He's doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing. Look for the good amongst the bad. Loads of homeless people this Christmas, and it's all over the news and all the bad news, and we hear, you know, you get depressed looking at the news, but hardly any airtime given to a London train station that fed hundreds of people. They shut the concourse and put the tables out. Or the Methodist church here, uh, bringing people on Christmas Day that wouldn't otherwise have anywhere to go. Some of our people helped and, and feeding them on Christmas Day. There's so much good out there. We don't hear it. We can do good. We can do good. It's brilliant. Or the communities, when a, when a tower block catches fire and the way the community responds, there is good around. We don't want the bad, but we can respond to it in certain ways. It's amazing in tragedy how people come together. There is a lot of good around. He's doing a new thing with baptisms. We've got another baptismal service already in the diary because we expect him to do new things. He's going to do a new thing with us in discipleship. He's going to do new things in mission and evangelism. This year with our ministry streams, worship and prayer, fellowship, service, discipleship, mission and evangelism, all headed up and streamlined so that we don't have to keep bogged down in meetings. Get on with it. The, the task is too great to constantly be in meetings. We want to flourish and release people in their giftings so the church and the kingdom of God can grow. We want to look at ourselves and our, our discipleship, our real commitment. Am I a pig or am I a chicken? I love that. I'm a pig, I can say it with pride. Uh, so we want to look at our building and everything we do. How we do church, is it fit for purpose? How are we gonna, is it always about inviting, all of our, most of our activities at the moment are within the walls, uh, whether it's someone's home or the building or Sunnymead or wherever it is. How are we going to get out? We've got new, uh, new missions in the notices, prayer on the streets. We've got some new jackets that have come through. It's really good, we've got Billericay Baptist Church on them. But these two are wearing them all the time. I'm surprised they haven't got them on in the water. It's ridiculous. But some branding and get professional about it and let people know that we are part of the Church of Christ doing good and we're proud of it. And if you want to accuse us of being do-gooders, we'll take, we'll take that if that's the worst you can do. Uh, branding. You're letting people know that we're all part of it. When you come into here, check in on social media and say, I'm at Billericay Baptist Church. If enough of you do it, word gets around. There's loads of different ways that we can really start to reach the people outside of these walls. Because the church scattered is when it's most effective. Come in here to get refueled, fantastic, and worship God, and then go out and make a difference. And we need the, uh, uh, the openness and awareness of the Holy Spirit in our lives to do that. God's rule and reign uh, in our lives. Being filled with his spirit to give us the passion, the energy uh, to achieve his mission. God's power. Uh, seeking first his kingdom. Seeking first his kingdom, not putting, playing lip service to it. Not wasting our lives. Leaving a great legacy. Building the kingdom of God here, abroad, uh, surrounding areas. Places where, even though there's darkness around, when the people of God are told that you are the light of the world and go out as ambassadors for him, they make a difference in that darkness. People that are on fire uh, for God can change the world, change a town, change a city, communities, nations. You, we can do that because we have the power of God. We just don't ask. Like those Israelites in that passage, when did you come to me? All you're bringing me is your sin. And I'm dealing with it, but is that all? We've got so much to go. This is the way forward. We've got our mission statement. It's called the Great Commission. We've just got to get on with it. And we want to be part, or I'd want you to be part of the community here 
at Billericay Baptist Church. I'd want you to be part of the community of God's people globally. I want you to turn to God. Repentance, we call it. I want you to trust in the cross. I want you to get baptised. I want you filled with the Spirit. And that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is I want it because God wants it. That's God's best for you. Amazing. And then he wants you to serve, to go and seek and save the lost, to bring your gifts, one body, many parts. And I'd love you to commit. We're doing so many good things this year. We've got an away down the 28th of April, put that in your diaries, where we, instead of loads and loads of church members' meetings, we're changing. It's going to be an away day. We look back in an AGM. We look forward with vision. We set apart leaders to get on with it. And then the other church meetings will be less of, will be really mostly about updates. There'll hardly be any voting. We move away from a dem- democratic system to a theocratic. We're not democracy, we're theocracy. We only want to know what God wants. And then we're going to move forward with boldness. So maybe you're not a member of the church. Maybe you think you can take or leave that as well. Well, you can. But are you a pig or a chicken? Get committed. Consequent, Ephesians 2, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Come and join us in this great mission. Come and commit. Say, Ian, I want to be a pig. And I say, brilliant. We've got church members meeting at the end of the month. Uh, Let's get you seen. And come and join the mission of God. There's work to be done for good and for God. We've got prayer meeting tonight, or prayer service tonight, Gary's uh, leading that, which is going to kick us off into our week of prayer this week. Let's get committed. Let's, let's not be like those Israelites when he said, well, you don't come to me. Let's get to those prayer meetings. Let's get praying in our homes and the DG groups and ask God for immeasurably more than we could possibly imagine. So get involved. Come tonight. Let's launch this week of prayer and be passionate and be committed. And if you're, just to finish off, if you're sitting there now um, and you have no faith and you're not sure, then we run Alpha courses for that. Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. If you're not sure, come on our Alpha course. Just sign up. We'll run it as soon as we've got enough people. Uh, We'll just keep running them. And they're a great way to explore for yourself, uh, which is great. If you have got faith and you haven't been baptised, get baptised now. Uh, Come up and get baptised. The water's still warm. Right? How do you know? (laughs) Someone's dipping their toe. (laughs) The water's still warm. Repent, believe, be baptised, get filled with the Spirit. If if you are a believer and you've done all those things and you're not committed to the church, why not? Become a member. Come and join us so we can discern together the mind of Christ. Sign up, be ready, be committed and never be lacking in zeal. Don't go home a chicken. Go home a pig. Another verse that's been given to this church over the years to finish with. Um, and, you know, we need, to do, we need to do it. We need to get on with it. But Isaiah 54, verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. Do not hold back. Let's never be lacking in zeal. Keep our spiritual fervour. Serve the Lord. We've got the great commission and the great commandments. Let's wrap everything we do between those two goalposts. And let's make a difference uh, for our community here within the church, for the communities that surrounds us, and then the community further afield. Many words given to us at the moment where we're so confident of God's leading. So just embrace that and be part of it. Amen?
There you go. That's it. I'm all wrapped up. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to sing uh, a final song, which really sums up a lot of what I'm saying. Come set your rule and reign. Set your church on fire. You know, we need to make this difference. So let me pray for you, and if you, are, if you want to be baptised, this is now the final opportunity for today, but you, know, you can all come and speak to us. But if you're a believer, come and get baptised. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. And we thank you, Lord, that we come by invitation. For it is grace that we've been saved. Nothing is an accident in your world. And, Lord, you've called us. You've chosen us. You've redeemed us. And so I pray for anybody that's here that's wondering about baptism, that to acknowledge they've turned to you, trust in your cross, and now it's time to get baptised. For those that are not committed, I pray they'd come into us in a covenantal relationship with you and your church, with you at the head of it, to discern your way forward. We thank you, Lord, for the words that you've given us, the prophecies, the pictures, the dreams, the visions, the scriptures. And we will not ignore it. We will not be lacking in zeal, Lord. We will not be lacking in zeal. Now is the time that you're going to do a new thing, and we claim those words in Jesus' name. Amen.